1: In this week's episode of The Tech John, we interview Echo Sandy Thomas, founder of Inside Voices, an online platform that helps job seekers figure out how companies treat people of color by hearing from current employees. But before we get to the interview, we talk about how Atlanta is becoming quite the tech hub and why Yelp has only used its racist behavior consumer alert twice in the last 16 months. We've got all this and more in episode 21 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood.
0: And coming out of Philly, it's, it's your girl, Tech Life Steph.
2: And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, aka Brother Tech, aka Brother Boycott. Uh, I've been doing <laughs> a lot of <laughs> been doing a lot of uh account services, uh cleanup over the weekend, as there's also all the 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 social media stuff has been happening over the weekend. So I've been
1: busy. It took me a whole 20 minutes to figure out how to canceled my spotify but i finally figured it out so so I, I i put this in our notes are we gonna talk about this after we just said yeah, last week we're not gonna so talk about it but other other here's the thing the, yeah this is it's a spotify issue now this is not just you know uh the the a rogan issue it's a spotify mm-hmm. issue because it's moving beyond just him saying the n-word all these times I and mean, doing all that stuff
0: ride, into I mean.
1: Uh, yeah, this dude can get a hundred million for a podcast and I got Grammys and I get like a thousand dollars, you know, you know, a year from this, uh, you know, big time stars. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we can get into that and we'll just tease it. We'll, you know, we got an after show y'all. So, uh, we do have, uh, so, you know, ways you can support the show. One of them is becoming a patron of ours over on patreon.com forward slash the tech john so if you head over there and you become a patron at any level you get access to a bunch of different uh, types of uh services and things that we offer one of them is the live stream and after show which is uh you know we actually uh are broadcasting this every monday even though the show comes out on tuesday and then we tend to have a half hour to 45 minute conversation after we get done talking about the show well there's some really good content in there so if you want to get access to that once again hit us up on patreon.com forward slash the tech john and with that i have an announcement i
0: have a shameless plug to put out there um, I am doing a TEDx this month.
2: Oh, for real? You doing, doing a what? Yes, TEDx. Oh, TEDx. I got you. I got you. Okay. So All I'm right.
0: doing uh TEDx Harlem. I'm actually recording it. It's going to be virtual. I'm actually recording it this Saturday and it will be streamed on the 27th, February 27th. Um, And if you follow me on any of the socials, uh, there there's links all over my all over my different social media to register and all that good stuff. But,
1: yeah, (laughs) we'll definitely share those links with us because I got at least 11 folks who listen to me sporadically on Twitter and and, and such. So Mm -hmm. I can get you at least 11 folks that I ain't going to say they're going to come and watch it, but they'll at least see the tweet that I send out. So
0: I'm just saying (laughs) <laughs>
1: you got, you got, you got speaker, presenter chops like that, Stephanie?
0: Let I them know. know a little something, something. I'm going to let them know. We're going to be talking about how to, you know, innovate your tech career and some tips and some, you know, a little bit of my own personal story that I'll be sharing about my journey. Uh, but I'm excited though. It, it, it kind of came together pretty quick. So, you know, I've been trying to really buckle down because I, I think I'm actually going to have to memorize it. Uh, And so it's just been that whole sort of like, gotta commit it to memory. But but I but I'm 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 cool with the progress I'm making, and and I think I'll be good come Saturday.
1: That's that's sweet. Congratulations on that. So. We get into these tech stories. Uh oh, the the first one that we're going to kick off with this week is kind of a continuation of something we were talking about last week. So if you remember last week, one of the stories was we were talking about flexible work schedules and how Twitter has actually seen a significant increase uh in its diverse hires uh in its in its workforce. And this week I was reading on this uh article over on CNBC And it basically is saying that you know the city of Atlanta is really, really becoming a tech hub. Now, Terrence, you live there. I know that this is nothing new to you, but go figure. If big companies like Google and you know, and Visa and Apple, if they actually put you know offices in cities where there are black folks, they tend to hire more black folks. Never would have never would have guessed that. (laughs) But you know, these things are, are actually happening. So I wanted to, you know, get your guys take on this. I know that we are kind of moving away from working in the office, but offices are still going to be a thing, even if they are just remote satellite offices to where you can just go and have conference, you know, you know, you know, conferences and, uh, you know, have physical in-person meetings. There still is going to be the need for buildings. So, uh, you know, so Mm -hmm. what's, what's your take on these companies, uh, you know, actually physically putting buildings in places where there are folks who look like us and actually increasing their hiring of folks who look like us based on that?
0: I'll let you go first, Terrence, because I oh, I have some thoughts. And, uh,
1: I was gonna say, it sounds like you got some heat, something yeah, locked and loaded. Yeah. But you're about
0: I to just, fire just, off. She's about to load thoughts. up. Just <laughs> a couple thoughts. That's all. But I'm, but I'm gonna let you I'm I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> well, well,
2: I can just uh, speak. Well, I'll just speak on the um, thought that Atlanta is becoming a tech hub. It's been a tech hub for a while. Um, uh, some of the first major. Um, accelerators, incubators outside of Silicon Valley was of course in New York and they had some pretty big ones in Atlanta for a while. Uh, this story in, um, CNBC mentions some of them. Um, let me see if I can find them real quick. They were, um, well, I'll just name them off the top of my head. Cause you know, some, I know them, uh, Atlanta tech village, Atlanta tech park, um, Atlanta tech village specifically, you know, does a lot with, uh, um, one of the tech guys out of Atlanta, uh, Paul Judge, um, who's done bought and well, started startup, sold them, you know, now he's invested in the tech hub space, specifically in Atlanta. Mailchimp was out of Atlanta. Now they have sold for however many billions of dollars. You know, some major companies have started in Atlanta and that's been a while. Uh, that's been ongoing since. I want to say at least 2008, 2010, right around the time uh, Twitter got up and going. Mm-hmm. So it's been there for a while. Uh, Microsoft specifically that this, uh, sub this article mentions, uh, they put a big, big office in one of the popular districts down here in Atlanta. And it's like, it's not like a little, they lease some office space, because I think Google has been here for a while, but it's not really Google. It's just like they've got like a couple floors in a building right. or a random right. building, right? No, Microsoft's um uh, office here. I wouldn't call it a, another headquarters, but it's a pretty big spot in a pretty popular area. So that mm-hmm. just shows the commitment that they're just, if not just specifically, we're looking for black folks. So we're going to put this big office here, but they've really committed to, or acknowledged that Atlanta is a big tech area um Apple that the story mentions as well um they partnered with HBCUs this one I want to say they made this announcement back in um maybe the springtime of last year 2020 that they were going to be doing this big tech hub with the big HBCUs here there's a couple of them Spelman Morehouse mm-hmm. uh, Atlanta uh, Clark Atlanta University you know they're like seriously not just you know, we're going to show up on campus every once in a while. They're actually creating tech hubs and they're going to recruit some of this talent. So uh, the, to the idea that Atlanta is a major tech hub, that is a real thing, you know, because I'm here in Atlanta. And I've been to some of the the events and some of the meetings before COVID happened. Now, the question is, is that going to convert directly to, OK, there's a lot of black folks in Atlanta. These big companies are in Atlanta So these big companies are going to promote to black folks, you know, that's the, if if, if this, then that type thing, we'll see. Right.
0: (laughs) So I really wanted to be happy about this story and, and I felt like it got, I felt like it got added to the lineup with some level of optimism attached to it. And I, and I wanted to be like, yeah, Atlanta is now a growing tech hub. Yank yeah, for Black folks about to get put on and all of that stuff. However, <laughs> you know, in looking at it, the the idea that you know even in the in the title of the article, Atlanta is a growing tech hub. You know how make it make sense to me that Georgia Tech produces the most, the most- tech graduates per year mm-hmm. in the United States, but Atlanta is only just now a growing tech hub. The math ain't mathin' right now. You know what I mean? Y'all should have been in Atlanta. Like, at the same time as you were growing your companies in the Valley and, and, and anywhere else, you should have been in Atlanta. Even, even if you never wanted to hire black folks, you, Georgia Tech is, pro- is producing all the tech people that mm-hmm. you claim you can't find anywhere else. So, you know, it, it just seems a little bit, just a tiny bit disingenuous that, that just now, um, that everybody's starting to recognize Atlanta, you know, for, for what it is. And, and I just, that just stuck in my throat a little bit and it made it kind of hard for me to feel good about this article because, you know, I feel like, and and I think this is going to go into our second piece as well, you know, I I feel like there was just a lot of stuff done after George Floyd um, for optics and and everything else, and I hope this doesn't turn out to be the same thing, you know, and curiously enough, you know, number one, shout out to Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh was the number one city uh, for diversity in tech um, in the country, in this same study and san francisco ranked 49 out of 50 for diversity <laughs> so it's just like you know like I, I, like i said you, you gotta make it make sense to me man. well we
2: so this? the as far as the uh, real quick rob uh, as far as the popularity as far as the coverage yeah that's new and i think the reason why that's new is not because of george Floyd. i think it's because oh look up they looked up and saw calendly is, you know, uh, out of Atlanta started by a brother by, by, um, and that is like that service is used pretty much. If you're a tech company, if you're a consultant, if you are a contractor, or if you're anybody that needs to schedule time, everybody uses Calendly. We use it for this show. Right. Right. And MailChimp, when MailChimp got sold and they, you know, that's the number one newsletter service for anybody that wants to send an email to a mass amount of people. Once those companies started to get traction, all of these tech companies or not tech companies, these, these uh, news outlets were like, Oh, okay. So there is something here versus doing the, the, the research that you say, Stephanie, and say, okay, well, Georgia techs here, uh, you know, per capita, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's the, the metro area is growing profusely. <laughs> much right. to the chagrin of all of us here that has to deal with the traffic on a regular basis. So instead of doing that research and says, okay, well, it makes sense to go to Atlanta because of these things. No, we're going to go to Atlanta because these couple of companies have
1: blown up. So now, oh, let's go see what they're talking about. I think multiple things are true. One of them is that they are physically running out of space in Silicon Valley in uh, San Francisco. So you have to either keep moving out and paying ridiculous rents ridiculous uh mortgages uh you know on these buildings you know cuz all you can really do if you want to be right there is just build up and it's super expensive it's one of the most expensive places to live in the world so the companies are saying okay where else in the united states can we go oh you know what we can people don't mind living in austin People don't mind living in Atlanta. People don't mind living in Pittsburgh. And we can actually get the people to do the jobs that we need them to do. Because when they say that there is a shortage of uh of you know of IT workers in general. There I mean there really is. I mean they there there absolutely is. That is not something that these companies are making up. So to to help their bottom lines, okay, we have to expand in places where we can actually hire people that can do the jobs in places that they're willing to live. You can't just go throw a you know a giant data center up in the middle of nowhere and expect folks who are you know used to city living to move to where now you got to get on a plane to go have fun. That that is not how people who have these jobs tend to to roll. So I think as a byproduct of that, it's like, oh wait a minute. Well if we do this in Atlanta, we also are getting the added value of that. Is one of the, you know, the uh you know, as far as African Americans, is one of the most highly educated hubs of African Americans in the country, is Atlanta. Or we talked about last week, like uh the uh you know, College Park not college park area, but um like in North Carolina, I forget what they call it, but where all the universities are. Research
0: triangle. Y- research, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a lot of folks that look like us that have the degrees and actually have the chops to go be able to do these jobs. So it just makes sense that it's not just us that are there. There are, you know, the, the people who normally get hired in these positions are there as well. So if we go there, it's a kind of a byproduct. So I, I, I understand where you are. Stephanie, you're not necessarily wanting to get I'm not going to give this company flowers because they're doing what's going to help their bottom line. A, a byproduct is us. But still, I I will take that because it is it is a it is a real issue oh, yes. of just walking down. You know, I I've told this story many times. You know, I work for one of the largest uh you know software companies uh you know in you know uh in the world. And I would go to company kickoffs and things like that. And I'm a tall dude, I'm six four. So I can look over a lot of folks, and it's like Ah, oh, wow. There's, uh, there's six, 7,000 of us here. Mm-hmm. And there's 40, 50 that look like me. That I just, I, I, I want, I don't want to say by any means necessary, but I'm almost by any, you know, let, let's get those numbers up. And if this is helping that, then like I said, I'm not necessarily going to give them I the flower, but I will it. acknowledge it because <laughs> Listen, it I is better it. than it has been before. I get it. <laughs>
0: and, and, and I'll take, and, and I hate to, I hate to have to adopt the mindset of taking what I can get, but mm. clearly this is America, so I guess that's what we got to do. But you know, you you know, I you, I understand your point about the valley getting crowded and expensive and everything. But but you know, that makes it seem like Atlanta just got like this yesterday. Nah
1: you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying like that's Atlanta what the story kind of did not it. it's been like this for you know a minute I mean? like it's like helena has been hot been for a while one
0: producer of, of yeah. it professionals and tech professionals in the country like like this didn't just happen yesterday so it just feels it just feels slightly you know maybe even low-key disingenuous to to call this growing and and to yeah. and to present this idea as if you know, it's something new. They and discovered, I get her point right? As well, yeah. They, they Columbus in Atlanta at this point. You know what I mean? Atlanta is getting Columbus like it was never yeah. there this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now all of a sudden, because you know, a few folks realize we can go down here and make some money and now get some tax and get
2: mm. and get tax credits, right. you know, and get the tax right. write off. Now because all of a sudden, Atlanta is
0: right. the new hotspot. It's just like uh-huh. this with that. We they yeah. we, we've yeah. Been
1: yeah. here. We here. I, and I, not, I not to mention.
2: And not to mention to that point, like you said, our governor is very, uh, he is very, uh, easy on the taxes when it comes to corporations moving Mm -hmm. to Atlanta Mm -hmm. and the film industry has moved down to Atlanta heavy. So they're like, Oh, okay. Oh, Atlanta. Oh, like
1: you said, Oh, out of nowhere. Where'd y'all come from? (laughs) And unlike, like, we'll
0: take what we can get, I guess
1: Atlanta (laughs) and Columbus, Ohio are similarly sized cities, but unlike Columbus, you can still find stuff to do after 9 p.m. in Atlanta. <laughs> There's, there there are places to go and things to do. That is not necessarily the case here. It's like, ah, you know, uh, downtown closes at 9, almost everything. So, that, so yeah, I, I, I am fond of Atlanta. Um, years ago, I used to – I can't remember the airline, but you could get a $31 round trip ticket from Columbus, Ohio to Atlanta and me and one of my boys we literally would just this is before 9/11 that might have been like
0: back in the day southwest used to Yeah this to be that is, this shit. is back in the day I can't uh-huh.
1: remember which airline it was but it was 31 bucks and he's like hey what you doing after work You want to go? He would just name a various club in Atlanta. It's like, yeah, I meet you at the airport. We literally, cause it's only like a 50 minute, 50 hour and six, you know, hour and five minute flight or something like that. We literally just go be there and then come back on the last flight. It was, it was that inexpensive. Like I said, it's like, I had to literally fly to another state to go have fun when I was younger. But anyway, we have another story. And Stephanie, when you put this, I'm like, oh, she is in my head because I was reading it (laughs) as you posted it. In our rundown. So we clearly are looking at some of the same news that comes out. But, uh, I remember when Yelp, this is a few years back when they actually, uh, started, uh, we're going to label companies, uh, potentially (laughs) as racist. And they, and they did, not I remember that making a ton of news
0: in 2020 2020 when they did it as a result of George Floyd?
1: But yeah, (laughs) why don't you tell the people how many times? (laughs) <laughs> they have used this since they announced it.
0: So, yeah, so Yelp got and, and, you know, they 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 got a lot of press, like you said, and a lot of love and everybody, you know, talk about how woke Yelp was and, and yada, 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 like a lot of companies back in the summer of 2020. Um, so they came up with this label to show that, you know, a company, a business might be racist and they've only used it twice. Since then, since October of 2020, since it was instituted in October of 2020, they have literally just used it uh, two times. And, you know, the idea that their justification for it was that nothing since then has escalated to the point where it needs to be flagged in this manner. And and I just got to call bullshit. I mean, like honestly, like we've we've all lived here this whole time in America, and and the idea that there has not been any, especially media worthy, because I think that was one of the um, measures that they used to determine if it was really a thing, if if, if the the issue made it to the media. Um, and and there's been plenty. There's there's been hundreds of you know local news cases across the country where. Workers or business owners or, or somebody got mad, reckless, and you know people had to start boycotting or whatever. So you know, I'm just I'm just calling Yelp fake woke and and I'm calling bullshit on this one.
2: Yeah, because I mean, clearly, you know, it, it, the attempt, the the thought, the 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 idealistic thought of a third part, a, a company not associated with a company that has been. You know, accused of or whatever as it relates to racism, for them to think good or bad, right or wrong, that the, it, this was this was going to fly with anybody when they put try to put a label, you know, on a uh, company is uh, misguided uh, thought. It, it made sense to say it, but then actually in practice. There was going to be a lot of complications with this. So I yeah. do agree that for them to just say it sounded good, sounded like responsible, sounded
1: like the right thing to say at a time. But they never really planned on actually doing it. No, no I really remember good. when I uh, and I believe I even talked about this story on another podcast the time it came out. It's like, yeah, they ain't going to do this because mm-hmm. they don't want to be. The one who is potentially tarnishing a company's reputation, even if the reputation is deserved, Mm -hmm. they don't want to get in that. So it's like, I don't see this being utilized all that much. Now, I would have thought it would have been more than twice (laughs) in a year and a half. But I knew when this came out, this company is not going to want to be on the wrong side of potentially calling someone racist because now this is just my opinion. This is Rob's opinion it is sometimes depending on who you talk to, it is worse to call someone racist than it is. Actually I should say it is, it is worse to call someone racist than it is if you call them racist because they use the N word. So, so, uh, but anyway, the the point I was making was that, uh, you know, a word that I learned uh, either at the end of high school or the beginning of college uh, where I really, I've heard it before, but when I really learned what it was, was cognitive dissonance. And it's like, uh, I think when it comes to racism, there's a whole lot of, I'm just going to say, white folks that have issues with this, because it's like, why is it so hard for you to see something that is so clearly racist for you to actually call it that? Um, You know, to the point to where I actually try to make it a point not to say the person is racist. I will say the thing they did is racist because you are almost always going to shut down Any conversation that could be had when you actually call someone the thing, because they can't see past that at that point. It's like, oh, you know, code red. I have been, you know, you calling me racist is worse than me saying the N word, which was the reason you called me racist. I've actually heard people use that as an argument. I'm just like... I just don't have that kind of, that kind of time to deal with this. But I think when it comes to like a company like Yelp, they're not going to, uh, you know, unless it is so blatantly obvious to, you know, to where there are lawsuits being brought against the company. They're not going to go out and and flag this company. Is this because they don't want that coming back on them? And if that's the case, then,
2: you know, probably even better, just remove them from the platform. I mean, Yelp does have that ability to, uh, say, no, we're not going to accept your business on our platform. That's something they can do. That's probably better <laughs> for all parties concerned <laughs> than them trying to yeah, slap a, race, a racist label and then have them get sued and then all this controversy. Just yank them off the platform. You know That's what?
1: Like, I do hey, not know this to be a fact. I don't know that this is true, but I feel it in my bones that it is. I'd be willing to bet that they have definitely removed more than two companies for what could be considered racist stuff. Uh, like I, said, I do not know this to be true. This is not a stat that I've seen. I just feel it like in the last 18 months, more than two companies have been removed from that platform as, you know, you know, for what can be considered racist stuff as compared uh, to actually I'm flagging sure, them I'm and labeling sure. as such.
0: And what I was saying, uh, well, I guess when I got cut off, <laughs> not everybody else is that, you know, I think Yelp bit off, could have bit off more than they could chew to a certain mm-hmm. extent as well. Cause, cause this type of moderation takes a lot of work and, you know, mm-hmm. verifying it and finding media sources to support and all the rest of that stuff. I think they didn't realize how much work it was going to be number one. Um, but also I looked at in, in the article, they were talking about, you know, what types of corrective action, would allow the company or the business to to come back on the platform or to get that that designation removed from their profile, and it was literally just you know whether either you you fire the employee if you or or disciplined the employee, the offending a p- employee in some way, or it could just be an apology. They were like an apology would be sufficient to you know undesignate this so company. What's the point? as the a- so what is the point exactly it, it just it was it was just a whole bunch of lip service from the beginning and and it was just it's not a good look now that this stat that they've only done two is coming out you know it's just it's not a good look for you
1: yeah so like i said i i i didn't call it but i just felt this is not going to go it's not going <laughs> to go anywhere this so ain't
0: gonna go where you think it's going to go? So,
2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: We are only doing a couple of tech stories this week, though, because like we told you a few weeks back and then a few months before that, we are going to get into doing regular interviews. Uh, I think we're shooting for an interview a month. Well, we did one last month. Now we're in February. We're doing another one. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead, Stephanie. I'm going to let you do the introduction, but I'm going to bring our special guest onto the screen with us today. And uh, so, Mr. Echo, are you able to see us? I think you're muted. Do I have to take, oh, she's unmuted. All right, I got man, you. I can
3: see you. I can hear you. Hi, everyone. Nice to be here.
0: Good to have you here. Let me let me do my formal introduction and reading of the bio. Echo is the founder of Inside Voices. Echo Sandy Thomas is the founder of Inside Voices, an online platform that helps job seekers figure out how companies treat people of color by hearing from current employees. In his 13-year career as a finance and accounting expert, he's been on the partner track at a big four firm and managed the finances for billions of dollars of real estate, originally from the UK he's worked in London and New York and in both places he grew tired of being the only black face in the room worse he saw companies misleading and abusing professionals of color as they lazily tried to become more diverse without becoming more inclusive he built inside voices to stop the cycle and since launching in 2021 over 1,000 companies have been reviewed on inside voices to date Say it with your chest, Echo, lazily, <coughs> trying to build diversity without inclusion. That's right. But we can't have one without the other.
1: We got to give you your applause, bro. I'm That's so right. happy that you're able to uh, come on the show and uh, spend some time with us and just, you know, talk about, uh, you know, diversity in the workplace. And... Uh, I know you probably didn't see our show notes, but I threw one question I wanted to ask you, um, you know, because I knew okay. I was going to get you on. There is a big company. I know you've heard of it called Glassdoor. It does similar stuff to what your company does. Can you tell us why you felt it was necessary to build something that does what your company does, um, you know, when there is this big behemoth out there that is Glassdoor?
3: Sure. I mean, I've used Glassdoor before, um, and this is a great question So, I've used Glassdoor before to try and find a company that reflected my values. As I'm sure many of us have, and while they ask a lot of questions and, I, and I'm not going to get into why I don't think they do what they intend to do that well, yeah. they definitely don't intend to help people of color find companies that are inclusive. It is not really something they're focused on. Um, and they decided to roll out an additional feature in 2020 after the Black Lives Matter protests, to respond to the increasing calls to make companies more diverse. Unfortunately, the features they rolled out were just generally insufficient. Uh, they rolled out a five-star rating for diversity, which covers all different subtopics of diversity, so whether that be gender, race, um, sexual orientation, etc. And I don't know about you, but I have no idea... No idea where on a five star rating I'd want a company to be for me to join, you know. If I'm getting Uber Eats, I need to see above four point five. But what does that mean for a job? Um, and the other one they rolled out was employee sentiment that you could filter by race or gender, and that was also insufficient because you know if you're at a company below maybe five thousand employees, do you want to make sure that you're empo- do you want your employee sentiment to be filterable by your ethnicity and your gender? I think it identifies people. What we're trying to do is. On top of give people an opportunity to hear from people who care about the things they care about right because this is not just about are you a person of color this is are you an anti-racist are you someone who's in the workplace thinking about is my company diverse and inclusive enough is the next place i go to diverse and inclusive enough on top of that we're also asking questions that are specifically about race related outcomes so it's not just is diversity good it's is the leadership diverse? Is the whole company diverse? Can people of color be themselves? Are they treated fairly? And these are questions that I think different questions speak to different people and how they're going to perceive and accept being in that in that workplace. And uh, these are questions I would definitely want answered if I was going to join any company.
0: That's good. Asking the hard questions. I think you know when we when we think about uh, our stories. I know all. All of us here and and any black person uh, around the globe uh, pretty much has a a unique story of the moment that they felt some kind of way at their job and and the moment that they decided that, you know, this wasn't the company for me or they needed to take a stand or or anything like that. What was your moment um, when you said, you know what? this is this is bullshit and and we and i need to now create a tool to make sure that no one else has to go through what i went through
3: sure so i i grew up in predominantly white um institutions i was schooled in predominantly white institutions my entire life so i was never and the uk is relatively integrated although there's not as many uh people of color as there are here but um I was never uncomfortable being in majority white spaces. I was always uncomfortable with the gradient that I was evaluated on. You know, it didn't. It never felt like I was able to be fairly evaluated for what I was able, what I was, what I was doing. Um, but you kind of just get used to that. We're all taught that that's what's going to happen from a very young age. Black people are, at least. So, as I moved through these organizations, I started to try to find ways to stand out. I left EY after a 13 year career, and in that time. I had come to understand that if you could put yourselves with the right, put yourself with the right people, then you could find a way to navigate around some of the pitfalls. Mm-hmm. You know, some people could shield you to a certain extent, but not fully. Um, and so, I tried to find an organisation where I felt like there were enough people in leadership that had the right mm-hmm. values, um, that I could find someone that I could saddle up with a sponsor and a mentor, and also an organisation that was small enough that I felt I could have an impact on the culture. So that coming in at a mid level even if it wasn't what I wanted it to be, I could try to make it more of that. I thought I joined that organization. And a year after joining, my manager left and was replaced by someone I won't name. (laughs) And uh, the abuse that I suffered at that person's hand was, was, was impossible. And more importantly for me, because when I think about these things, I like to focus on what does the organization do rather than what did the individual do? And I reported everything that was happening to me with all the evidence that I had at my disposal, and I was still dismissed. And it was at that point that I realized that even organizations that have a good reputation, even organizations that some people in those organizations want to do the right thing, there are not enough incentives to to force these organizations to do the thing that needs to be done because the easiest thing to do is to do nothing. right? I think a lot of, it's quite common for people of color to leave organizations feeling like they were mistreated and not even tell anyone because we all feel as though nothing's going to be done. It's worse to tell someone and then to still say, yeah, I just don't see what's wrong with that. You go. But that is the easiest thing for companies to do. And I decided that it was just not going to work for me anymore. I needed to be part of the solution um, instead of continuously suffering from the problem. Wow.
1: So so Michael,
2: yeah. So, so I guess my question is, as far as um, a end user uh, looking to utilize the inside voices platform, Um, I guess I got a two part question. Um, my first part would be, um, say I'm, I'm an employee. I've had an incident with my company or in a manager or supervisor or teammate, whatever the case may be. Um, I feel some kind of way about it. Like Stephanie said, where I've been discriminated against directly, or I think this is a larger problem, or I just think this needs to be shared. I go to inside voices. I air my grievances for lack of a better term. Um, how does the platform, um, validate, um, or reach out or dig deeper when a user posts a review or has a comment? Uh, you know, how do you handle that? And then the second part of the question is, um, how responsive have companies been if and or when they either see the reviews or you share that review or, you know, h- however the company ends up you know, finding that, that review, how how responsive have companies been?
3: Sure. So I think the first thing to highlight is that our questions are centered around outcomes for the organization rather than individual experiences. Okay. And so our questions are, you know, is the, is the workforce diverse? Is the leadership diverse? Questions like this. And the last question that we ask is, would you recommend your company to a person of color and why? And this is usually where we do get some stories you know, really what we want the written is free text answer to represent is mm-hmm. the summary of all the questions that were asked before it taking all this into account would you recommend it but that you know objective answer is always going to be colored by your own personal experiences mm-hmm. and we do want people to add those experiences because they help inform other people about what is the worst case scenario what terrible things can happen at this organization however we don't do any validation okay. uh, we followed the same model as glassdoor and indeed in just that, I think it would be, ext- I think when it comes to online reviews, we as a society have decided that we're always going to take them with a pinch of salt. We typically only listen to them when we identify trends. Um and so and if and we also believe that we can qualify a credible review from a non-credible one just by hearing the way someone speaks, um, the things that they speak about, are they focusing more on their emotional their emotional hurt than they are on the actual things that happened? And so we've left it up to the users to, you know, listen to each other and decide what they want to take in. Mm-hmm.
1: So, my wife uh, is a former i t recruiter. I have friends who are currently i t recruiters specifically in this space and one of the things when we 've had conversations one of the things uh, that one of my friends and she actually has uh, you know done you know re- recruitment and placement at some of the biggest fortune Ten companies, uh, which many of them are i t companies on the planet. And one of the things that she said that, you know, the the industry has kind of started to change in the last seven, five, seven years, where before it was companies just didn't have black talent. Um They weren't, they simply weren't hiring. They weren't interviewing. They weren't hiring. And the issues today aren't necessarily that. They are more of, well, once we do the interview, will the applicant accept the role? And then if an applicant accepts the role and they come in, will they actually stay? And she said that one of the issues is that, you know, if you don't have the right culture, just because, you know, the folks that are getting into these jobs have choices, they have options where they can go work multiple different places that aren't the company that they are currently at, that they will hop from an organization just because the culture just didn't match up with them. And I was just wondering, are you seeing any of that in your surveys to where, uh you know, the company might be on paper, it looks like a good company to work at. But when you actually start, pe- you know, asking people specifically who look like us, well, what did you think? And it's like, uh, you know what? Um, I, I, you know, the, the culture here great. isn't just great for me. So I'm, I'm going to move on or I wouldn't recommend. Do you, do, are you seeing that in your surveys?
3: Certainly. I mean, some of the big companies that we've heard of, you know, the Facebooks and the Googles organizations that you think of when you think of work and trying to do it in the most progressive way possible, they still get bad reviews. Um, I actually think it's in, it's, depends on industry. So something that may be acceptable in banking, for example, would be completely unacceptable to a tech employee. But retention is really, really tricky. And I think that's really where this comes from. This comes from companies are getting better at recruiting. I'll just say black for now, but they're getting much better at recruiting black talent, but they are not getting better at keeping that black talent because Mm -hmm. they are not making any adjustments to their culture to reflect the, reflect the fact that before They didn't need to care about having us there, and now they do. And if they want to retain us, they need to make us feel feel like we belong, particularly when we know that to get into that room, we've already had to jump over a bunch of hurdles that the other people in that room did not. So when you've had to work harder to be in the space and you still don't feel included, you start to wonder, maybe I should just go somewhere else, Especially, particularly when there's so many places that are hiring, so many opportunities. And if you've gotten yourself into that band where you are highly sought-after talent, you can move whenever you want yeah. So retention is a big thing for companies. And I don't think people, when we talk about the diversity, equity, inclusion question around companies, nobody focuses on retention. Everybody's focusing on recruitment. There's actually a lot of companies trying to help companies funnel black talent into their organizations, but there's very few companies helping them keep that talent and stop the leaky bucket from, of people leaving to start their own companies or just jumping around from company to company trying to find somewhere that doesn't make them feel like an outsider. And so I think this is going to be a helpful tool, particularly in the long term. On one side, helping to, and this is where it really gets into, we get into what I want the company to be. I want companies to have to respond to, the level of ratings that they receive on the platform and say, okay, we're failing to hire talent. And some of them are saying that it's because we're not diverse and inclusive enough. We need to fix this problem first before we try to get these people in the door or we're going to continue to throw money away. It costs up to 200% of an employee's salary to replace them. That's an insane amount of money, especially when you're considering the fact that people of color take longer to hire and cost more to recruit. So they're just throwing money away by bringing us into organisations that are not ready for us. I want companies to start to listen to the feedback. The only reason the inside voices exist is because there's a huge trust deficit right between employers and um, employees of color. We don't believe that we can tell them the truth and not and not fear retribution, so we just don't tell them the truth. They ask is there, is there, if everything's okay, we say yes, and then eventually we have to leave. Um, so we're just trying to, fill, right? So right. we're trying to fill that gap, sit in the middle, and give companies an opportunity to hear, you know, and give employees an opportunity to speak truth to power. Then, hopefully, when companies start to change, then we won't see this sort of um, quick exit that we're seeing at the moment. I know a lot of people that are at some of these big companies. That, I mean, luckily for some of the bigger ones, they pay so much that people don't feel like they can leave; they have the golden handcuffs on. Um, but that's going to end at a certain point, and. And you really want companies to be able to fix the problem, not to just keep seeing black professionals who've dedicated their careers towards getting to a certain point, get into the top of that hilltop and realizing, I don't like the air up here.
0: Wow. That's, you said a mouthful, I, golden handcuffs. I've never heard that term before. I'm, I'm totally going to start using that. I want to um, circle back to kind of the second part of Terrence's um, question, as far as like you know, what has been company response to the reviews and, and what's, what's the next step of that process? Maybe, maybe it's something that Inside Voices is, is going to evolve into, but, you know, is it where, um, you, you get to make recommendations to companies on what they could do and, and maybe help them with that retention piece? Um, but after the reviews come in, you know, what's the next step from the company perspective?
3: Sure. So in the short term, we're not engaging with companies.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: I don't want to be in a, I think if you look at Glassdoor, I forgetting some of their other faults. One of the things that you really feel when you're on Glassdoor is that the corporate overlords are watching, you know, like uh, right. there's fake reviews on platforms. They pay for their branding. They pay for the job oh, board. Okay. And that's right. That's, the, that's their business model. And that's all in line with what they want to do. But they're not dealing with a topic that's quite as sensitive as this one, at least not anymore. Um, and, you know, the whole reason that we exist is because people don't feel like if the companies knew that they felt this way, that they would do the right thing. So I don't right. want to put up, put my reviewers in a position where they feel like they have to make a decision whether they can be honest on this platform. This needs to be the safe space. So in the short term, that's what we want. I would like to get to a point where companies can actually admit that transparency is in their interests, right? Because long-term, if you think about a public company, they have to think quarter to quarter, right? You've got revenue projections, that have to grab, revenue projections and performance that has to go out every quarter. So to say, hey, we're going to dedicate 25% of our profit to fixing this diversity issue, no one could ever say that because by the next quarter you'll be skewered. But if we can show that it's costing you money because you're struggling to hire, because you have such bad reviews on Inside Voices, then we give those leaders a mandate to say, okay, we have to fix this problem, so now we have to dedicate money. But I think we have to show that first Mm. and then we can bring companies on board because then they'll have then they'll believe transparency
1: is is in their best interests. Right. If you can figure out how to when you do have these conversations with these companies, that if you can figure out a way to show them that creating a culture that is inclusive of folks who look like us is not antithetical to the culture that they already have, if you could do that. Uh, <laughs> a if you can do that, you will solve so much because oh that is God. that is that is a big part of it. You know, I you know I, I've worked uh in corporate uh you know America for a long, long time. And when you when you get into some of these steering committees, it's like, well, if we do this, well, how are the folks who are already here going to feel? And it's like <laughs> Well not, on, well, not what, only to, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well not only that, you know, there are
2: companies that are behemoths and they can't turn on a dime. So um, how do you get them to see that? Like Rob said, the, 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 there's a problem with company culture in the first place when there are uh, so many places for people to quote unquote hide, you know, and run these small teams or run these departments with you know almost immunity, because to the big grand picture, nothing's changing. Nothing, you know, there 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 isn't a, a a a fire or a smolder or a spark large enough that will be a big issue to this company. When a lot of these people, like you mentioned, you know, a lot of these employees that are disgruntled or whatever, they have a problem with their manager, they have a problem with their colleague, they have a problem with their project and how they're treated as a result of that. And they just say, all right, well, you know, this one dude, if I do successfully, you know, get him out of here or get him to ch- change his ways or whatever the case may be, is that going to change the company culture? I think a lot of people say, no, it ain't. So I'm out. So how do you get, you know, this company that's this major large company that may have these major culture issues to say, Hey, the culture that you currently have, that ain't working for these people. And then. You need to change your entire com- culture. You know how do you kind of it, it just in general? This is not just to you. This is to Stephanie and Rob as well. You know how how does a, c- a company that's so big change their culture like that for them to actually see a benefit?
3: I mean, I would say two things. First of all, I would say I think it's important for me to be realistic about Inside Voices goals. Um, I do want this to be something that changes company culture, but I think it's only really going to impact impact the bottom ten percent. Uh, I think okay. the companies that are in the middle are, you know, they're going to see reasons why they should improve, but it's going to be hard to get them to do better. But right. really those companies on the bottom that are yeah, going to get such bad reviews, such a trend of bad reviews that people are going to say, yeah, I wouldn't touch that with a barge pole. Why would I ever go there? Everybody that goes there is upset. And we have already started to see companies like that come onto the platform. But the other thing I would say is when it comes to the culture of these places, so much of it. And I've worked up, you know, EY had, I think, 170,000 employees across the globe. The way
2: that the culture. And, for, and yeah, for the uninitiated, that's Ernst & Young, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And,
3: but insanely, the culture was exactly the same in New York as it was in London, right? So they found a way to make their culture ubiquitous.
0: Right.
2: Yeah?
3: And it all comes from the policies and the way that they onboard people. They say, this is how you have to behave. Now in that, they say, We want, they're basically outlining how to become, how to fit yourself into the mold of what they consider to be a professional because that's what suits their, their needs. They want you to, they want, when you go out to serve a client, they want it to be like McDonald's. That client gives the Big Mac and it tastes the same every single time. Mm -hmm. Uh, They want you, they want you all to be their proxies. Now they had no reason to change that. When I was in New York, uh, WeWork started to come up. We always worked in these big, you know, glass buildings, but we work started to get popular and smaller companies who were being very successful were starting to take out WeWork spaces. While mm-hmm. I was there, we started to take out WeWork space. Why? Because they started to lose the, the race for talent. They started to lose their battle for talent. And once they start to lose, they start to think about, well, why is the other person winning? I think okay. companies will make adjustments, but it's only when they start to lose. I
0: okay. got you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell us anything uh, if, if anything about the trends what is the data telling you right now about um overall satisfaction happiness quotient amongst the, <laughs> the folks that are that are, are writing in reviews or you know what what sort of trends are you seeing right now in the data
3: sure so first of all i could tell you people are not happy <laughs> but i think we all knew that one right um so one of the interesting things is okay so one thing i think people don't realize about inside voices is, is that people of color and white people can report, right? This is for anybody that comes seeking a place to talk about, the seeking a place to talk about and hear about the diversity and inclusion of organizations. Okay, I think that that's sense. important. That's good to know,
0: absolutely.
3: Right, it's important because there are several rooms in a big organization that no person of color is ever in, right? The boardroom is often one of those. And there are decisions being made in those rooms that impact the diversity and inclusion of that organization. And without having an ear in that room, we'll never know why these decisions were made or what was the motivation. So I think it's important to be able to use all of the people at our disposal that care about this point. issue, not not narrow down. But with that, that obviously gives you some interesting segmentation in the results. Mm-hmm. So in our, and at and the, the moment, the split is about 90% people of color, 10% white. But in the reviews, we've noticed that white people actually rate their companies less favorably, so they end up with a lower score, but they're more likely to give a favorable answer to the question would you recommend your company to a person of color? So I thought that was really interesting because they're saying, mm-hmm. I think it's worse, but you should come here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, we see women score their companies less favorably than men do, but actually the and for most of the sense. questions, it does, right? But most mm-hmm. of the questions, the answers are the scores are almost exactly the same. And then it's the, one of our last questions, which is, do you think people of color receive equal treatment? That's when women's scores completely hit the floor. So I think where we're seeing that intersection of race and gender, we're really seeing women being mistreated and feeling like they're not getting um, a fair shake at their organizations. Yes. Um, so this is a couple of the data points that are coming out.
0: So basically society doing what it does best. We're not surprised. You know, exactly. (laughs) But I appreciate the fact that you do have, um, you know, anybody can report. So shout out to all those allies out there. You know, if if you are a true ally, you know, you can use this platform inside voices.io and uh, everything is anonymous as well, right?
3: That's right. That's right. And I think having... White people report on a platform helps us to keep it anonymous, mm. right? Because when you're at a smaller organisation, there may be very few people of colour there. Connect the dots, exactly. <laughs> exactly, it's very right. obvious who we are. So if that that ten percent gives us cover.
1: I'm sitting here thinking it's like, it's a shame that that has to be the case, but that's the reason why your platform exists because it is the case. So yeah, Absolutely. you know, I'm, I'm glad that you actually, you know, pointed out that this is something that, uh, you know, our, our white counterparts can go and use. And, um, you know, what is that saying? If you see something, say something. <laughs> if you see, if you see some scandalous exactly. stuff, go down because I know that there are a lot, uh, you know, you know, I, I don't sit here and think that Every white person is absolutely the most you know, prejudiced person. That is, that is the furthest thing from the truth. But a lot of times it's like, I ain't necessarily saying nothing that's not affecting me. I don't want to get in trouble. I'm not going to say something. So the fact that this is anonymous and that you are seeing, um, you know, uh, you know, white people, uh, you know, go and use the platform. I applaud that and I applaud them for doing it. And then once again, if you see something, say something, you could go here and, you know, you, you can, you can definitely give a hand up to, to, uh, you know, folks who look like us. Uh, I like to see that because I said some of the things that I've done in the corporate world before I became a full-time podcaster was dealing with some of these issues. And I've just, I've seen so many um, conversations and I've had, you know, I've had so many conversations and I've seen so many meetings and I've been on so many steering committees and it's just like, if it wasn't just this one person saying it, if the, if everyone around the room was actually saying what you really thought and not so worried about what the ramifications are going to be, we actually might be able to, you know, get some consensus and get some things done. So I can see, uh, you know, inside voices actually going, um, you know, you know, helping that. Once again, it, it might help for the bottom 10 percent. But hey, you got to start somewhere. Uh, you know, those, well, those companies at the bottom, if they can get better. better, then it's better for them.
0: It yeah. helps to alleviate the gaslighting as well, right. because, you know, I think that is uh, a huge part of um, where the the dissatisfaction comes in when you're talking, you know, like you said, you're doing all the things you're supposed to do. You're following the chain of command. You're, you're having the conversations with HR, but all of your experiences are being diminished and dismissed as if they, they didn't really happen. So, you know, to be able to have a diverse pool of people reporting, mm. you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, we got to have some white person co in what we're saying, but If that's what, if that's what it takes, you know, even if we're only getting the bottom 10%, if that's what it takes, then, you know, we need all hands on deck for that.
3: Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And the reality is, I mean, uh, the the white people that are reporting, I'm sure they span the entire height of the organization. You know, I've been in an organization before where someone in the C-suite was very clear ally, wanted to make change, but he just could not get support for anything that needed to happen. And he's the kind of person that, in, I mean, he was one of the people that inspired this for me because he was able to tell me things about the decisions that were made in the organization that had I known before, I never would have joined. <laughs> <laughs> and just, just hearing from him that told me, okay, so there's secrets in here. There are people that have those secrets and they desperately want to share those secrets to change people's lives and they have nowhere to put them. Let's, let's create that place.
0: So just on a, on a very fundamental how it works type level, people can report anonymously. For free, I'm assuming, and and people can come and check those reviews for free. I'm assuming, but correct me if I'm wrong. That's right.
3: That's right. It's all free. We're pre-revenue. We have. We don't intend to make revenue for at least a year. Right at the moment, I want to get us good. Uh, so, okay, first of all, yes, to answer your question, certainly everything is free. You come. You write a review for free. You can read reviews for free. What I do ask, though, is that people that read reviews, write reviews. So I think you can read one one review in full Mm -hmm. before you have to write a review. Oh, okay. And the reason for that is I want to capture people at the point when they come looking for information rather Mm -hmm. than only at the point when they come to report information. right. Exactly, exactly. We want to avoid that disgruntled employee. You want to capture people who maybe they're leaving for other reasons and they just want to – they want to – just give you a picture of the organization while they figure out where they want to go next, or maybe they are leaving because of something to do with race. And in that case, they should be giving the lowest score and making that clear in their, um, in their, in their review. But on top of that, looking forward, I just don't see this as something that we could charge for. Um, this has to be available to all of us. This has to be something that people can dip in and out of. Um, I do want to make it more sophisticated where you have now, like I think we see on our website, we're in beta, Um, because what I am noticing is that people come with a lot of emotion. You know, a lot of these stories, they carry a lot of emotion, extremely sensitive and personal to people. And they want to get that out and they want to explain what happened, but they're not necessarily always able to give the level of information that will inform another person in the best way. Um, so thinking about ways to improve it so that we can help the reviewer write the most helpful detailed review possible the right. one that really explains this is what happened to me this is what i saw happening and this is what you should really keep in mind before you join
1: so i want to ask a question um i want to completely change gears on you um right. because as a, as i'm looking at you here uh i think you would consider yourself a person of color <laughs> <Yeah. Sick. laughs> uh and for those who aren't who who aren't watching us uh yes echo is a black man that's but right. you've started a tech company. Yeah. There's all kind of issues and, you know, and things that are fun and things that aren't fun with doing that. Just what is your journey, uh, you know, being a black man starting a tech company? Because, you know, we, we look at inside voices. This, this is a tech company. This you know, it's, you, the data that you're pulling. This is technology in all of its facets. So what has your journey been like in just getting your company up and going?
3: Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. Um, I mean, the place that is most obvious that there is a difference is in fundraising. Um, trying to raise money is tough. Access to capital is, is very difficult. And you don't even realize, you know, you fought at the first hurdle because so much of particularly venture capital money is, you know, ring fenced around networks. Um, you have to get access to those networks just to begin. And then when you get in the room, you can immediately feel the same gradient of evaluation that same that same misalignment that i felt when i was in the corporate world you know i'm in a room with a person and i can feel we're not identifying on that on that you know vibe level we don't we don't meet eye to eye that person has preconceived notions of who i am you know interestingly i've been in some meetings and i can feel i'm receiving softball questions because i think perhaps i'm intimidating the person on the other end or they're so checked out or they feel like they can't come together with the idea or the person that they just give you the slow roll and then let you out. Um, and in so- a lot of meetings I've been told that the person just doesn't feel like they can add value to the space that we're in, which I think is really disappointing. I think a lot of uh, investors feel as though they need to be a person of color to help issues that are particularly uh, important to people of color. I'm like, listen, all I need is your money. I don't need you to do
1: anything <laughs> else. All you've right. heard about it in the United States, at least, is green. So, Exactly. <laughs> do, you, do you
0: think it's a, a mix of that, though, um, the fact that you are a person of color, along with the idea that you are dealing with such a sensitive um, topic as a business model? Do you think it's 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 a little bit of both of those things?
3: I think it usually alternates between one and the other. -hmm. I think sometimes they just Mm -hmm. don't, they can't get there on the idea. You know, actually, interestingly, in a few cases, I've gotten through the first round because the first person I spoke to was usually a woman of color. And I mean, you'd speak to any black person about this. Right, of course. If you <laughs> tell any black person about this, they have no questions. They completely understand why we need it, and what, they're like, "Yep, got it. Don't need to say anymore." <laughs> the meeting goes really quickly. You usually. Make, to a check. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. They bump up the next level, and usually there's a white guy there, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm just not seeing it." And then we have to start the whole thing again. So, I think uh, you know, we talk about. I think venture capital probably needs to change a little bit more before mm-hmm. it becomes easier for people like me to raise money. Um, I was looking at the, the statistics the other day. Uh, I haven't seen any updates on the black statistics, but I know that Latinx founders received less money last year than they did the year before. Uh, Women received less money last year than they did the year before. So I don't think diverse founders are necessarily able to raise more money. um, And it hasn't been easier for me. Um, But one of the interesting ways that I think race has impacted my journey is actually recruiting. Uh, I'm trying to bring on people to fill certain roles and, Part of it is obviously I have to be very cognizant of building the right company.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
3: I'm here critiquing other companies on how they build their companies. I have to make sure I get it right myself. You got that
0: right.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I also want to make sure that I put the right people in the right places. It's very important to me that this company represent the people that are using the platform. And... I, you know, professionals of color are traditionally quite risk averse. So asking people to jump from a steady six figure paycheck, because those are the true. kind of people that you want on your side to come and join this, you know, shaky startup that's hoping to change the world. <laughs> it's a big ask. So that's been a challenge as well.
0: Well, you're doing God's work, Echo. I, I, I <laughs> gotta right. tell you. you know, <laughs> okay. um, so, you know, keep the faith, stay strong. And, and we are, are super. Happy and and honored and and proud of the work that you're doing and and grateful for your time with us here today.
3: Thank you so much. Yeah, Echo. Before before before
1: we let you go, um, we'll just give you the floor. You could tell all of our listeners how they can find out about uh, more about you and more about uh, you know um, inside voices.
3: Sure. So I just say to your listeners, please come and write a review on www.insidevoices.io. Uh, we are small, but we are mighty. We are a growing community. You'll, still, you'll get access to our newsletter as well. Come be honest and tell the truth. Uh, give us a nice, deep, contextual review. This is for us. This is by us. We're trying to help each other. This is an opportunity to just share your information to change someone else's life and helpfully improve their career and help them avoid a toxic workplace. It's really important. This isn't something that you should leave until later. Just get on and write something. Well, once again,
1: thank you so much for uh, taking the time to hang out with us this evening. And uh, thanks
0: for being open to my TikTok solicitation.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for asking. I really appreciate it. This is great.
1: Normally at this time of the show, we do our The Tech John Spotlight and We generally aren't going to do spotlights when we have a guest on because the guest that we have on is who we want to spotlight. So so this week we want to spotlight Echo. But it is Black History Month. You know, there are three HBCU professors who were inducted into one of the most prestigious scientific organizations in the world. Um, They are Stephen Richardson, who is Professor Emeritus of Electrical Engineering at Howard University, James Lillard, Professor at Morehouse School of Medicine, and Christine Holman, Professor of Biology at Morgan State University. And they're all part of the 2022 class of 564 scientists, engineers, and other innovators elected as fellows of the American Association uh, for the Advancement of Science, that is AAAS. That is is arguably one of the biggest and most well-known scientific organizations in the world. Uh, these aren't the only three there have been actually there. You know, there are quite a few African-Americans who have made it into this. But this is still a it is a very, very prestigious uh, acknowledgement for them to become fellows. So with it being Black History Month, I just wanted to throw out that quick little uh, spotlight uh, to where you got three HBCU professors that are getting inducted this year.
0: That is very impressive. <laughs> I
1: did
0: not know right.
1: that. So Love it. So now that we've done that, Stephanie, I will go ahead and you know, kick it off to you. Let folks know how they can get to you.
0: Are we reading our patrons?
1: We are reading our patrons. Thank you so much. That's that is why. <laughs> no, we don't, don't forget about the money. Cannot sorry. forget okay, about not that. And, and I even you know, now, you know what? Know. Well, she gonna kick my behind? So, Saray, I, I won't even. I'm, I won't even start. I'm going to start with the the raises first. So, Saray. Uh, this is our, you know, this is our road dog. She hangs with the us.
0: Or or she
1: has been riding with us since we started doing these, uh, you know, the, you know these uh, live streams and you know after parties. And she's, hey, y'all, y'all doing the live stream night? She is checking with us. She's holding it down, so she actually gave us a raise. So I want to shout her out. And we have a new patron this week, uh, Patrick Murphy. So thank you, Hello, uh, Mr. Patrick. Murphy. And for anyone else who wants to support the show, head over to Patreon.com forward slash the tech john that is the tech j a w n and we've got multiple tiers over there where you can help um, us uh bring this show to you every week so once again thank you to patrick murphy and to saray t willis Work. so with that stephanie you can go ahead and tell <laughs> the folks how now it's time to,
0: to say goodbye right. to all our little friends um you can find me all around the web at tech life stuff and check me out at till death
2: And I am Terrence Gaines, also known as Brother Tech. You can find me all on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Facebook, not so much, but Instagram and Twitter. I'm still rocking over there. Like I said, at Brother Tech, that's B-R-O-T-H-A-T-E-C-H.
1: And I am on all the things at Rob Dunwood. And also we have all the things at The Tech John. And please go to www.insidevoices.io and check out what my man Echo is doing over there. He is doing the Lord's work. This is this is this is this is something that is that is sorely, sorely needed and uh, glad that you're uh, doing it. So we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Um, and as we always say at the end of our show, peace. peace.